Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Business Leaders Radio. Now, here's your host, John Ray. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Business Leaders Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, this is going to be a good one today. We are speaking with Jason Haith. Jason is with OEC Group Louisville. Jason, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So um, let's talk a little bit, give folks as we start here uh, an, an introduction to OEC Group. How are you serving folks out there? Sure. OEC Group is a full-service forwarding company based in Taiwan. Um, For over 30 years, we've been delivering full container, less than container load, air freight, warehousing, customs clearance services, specializing in Asia, Southeast Asia, West Asia, uh, Europe into the United States. And you've got multiple offices in the United States. We do, uh, covering the coasts, both sides, covering the Midwest. Mm -hmm. We try to service all of our clients locally, um, Mm -hmm. so we have some options for for face-to-face interactions. It's been tough these past few years with COVID, uh, but we're kind of starting to get back to normal and and make things work. So we're here today uh, with you, Jason, to talk about all things supply chain and mostly supply chain woes, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been in, it's just been the craziest 18 months um, that I've seen uh, for the past 16 years. I've been with OEC Group in various capacities, uh, but I manage the branch here in Louisville and the challenges we've seen um, are just across every sector from local transportation in Asia, uh, vessel scheduling, port congestion, issues with the rail, problems with chassis and truckers. It's been pervasive across the country and presented real challenges for people trying to get things done efficiently. I think there are some folks that believe that all this really started and occurred because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I'd like your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a good portion of this, um, is pandemic related. I think the volumes, you know, for the first, uh, what was it, maybe in 2020 for for three or so months, China was completely shut down. They weren't manufacturing product or they were manufacturing it in a really limited capacity. Uh, And so importers were really struggling in putting orders together. And that was followed by, you know, another three, just as China was shutting down, or, or excuse me, just as they were reopening, the U.S., started going into quarantine with stay-at-home orders. And so for maybe the first five or six months of the year, it was you know, nobody really knew what to do. They didn't know whether to order product or not. They didn't really know what the market was going to look like. So there was a time when, when volume was down substantially. And as the U.S. started coming back and they started seeing the rebound of the economy, that's when a lot of this volume started showing up. Uh, and the infrastructure itself just wasn't ready in all parts. So I do think um, the pandemic played a pretty healthy part um, in in causing what we're seeing. And we've had changing, I guess, norms and expectations and and um, and some harsh words between China yeah. and the United States in terms of trade policy, right? And what, yeah, talk about how that's that's played into this as well. 
Um, you know, the, the run-up to the tariffs that were imposed by Trump was a really busy time mm-hmm. uh, because there were just a huge swath of products that may have been entering the U.S. You know, at, under a duty-free status. But the Section 301 tariffs um, are applied wholly separately. So it's an additional 25% on their, uh, you know, on the bill that shows up uh, for their duties. So there was a huge run up. And, you know, I think the United States um, try or tried to mitigate some of this with China. Um, I've read some articles recently that, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like China's held up to their end of the bargain. Mm. Um, and, you know, importers are at wit's end, I think, um, in trying to make sense of what's going on because the, just all of the foundations that companies held on to in terms of production lead time, transit time, the time it takes to turn the product around and get it out on the shelves, that whole process has been completely upended. And I think what we're going through is that, that pain of adjustment where people, you know, have no choice but to change their expectations. Um, you know, I wouldn't be all that surprised if we saw some manufacturing move. Um, I think it would be impossible, frankly, to reshore all of the production that the United States is outsourcing to to, to Asia, Southeast Asia, India. I mean, pick a place. I don't. I just don't think we have the infrastructure or the raw material supply chain to support that. Um, but I do think importers and, and and manufacturers really look to find places where they're able to manufacture emergency products, something, anything. Right. Um, the tariffs that went into place um, drove a fair amount of business um, out of mainland China. The two primary benefactors were India and Vietnam. Um, frankly, I don't think India and Vietnam were prepared for the business that that came on board. So the the, the industry, I think, is really going through a substantial change of expectation on all sides, uh, and that's a really difficult process to go through. Folks, we're here chatting with Jason Haith, and Jason is with OEC Group. He runs the Louisville office for OEC group. Um, Jason, let's talk a little bit about, um, some specifics that are going on here in the short term. Uh, first of all, the Chinese lunar new year, uh, that we're here as we record this show and, uh, on Valentine's day, uh, 2022, uh, we're kind of right in the middle of some of the effects of that. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, the, the initial issue that we saw, and this was really starting in January, um, came from the local trucking companies that were serving, you know, China ports. A lot of them um, had been, you know, they don't live in the cities where they work. They'll typically live inland. Uh, it's no secret that China has been, um, you know, really tough in terms of their lockdowns. So we saw a lot of truckers leaving. Um, leaving early, trying to get back home. Some of them hadn't been home for, you know, 18 months or so. Uh, When everything finally did shut down, um, I think there was still an awful lot of cargo in China that wanted to get out that just didn't. Um, There wasn't enough capacity uh, in terms of vessel space. 
steamship lines are extraordinarily short on the physical metal containers. In many instances, forwarders, including OEC Group, are having to make changes uh, in terms of the services we provide, specifically in terms of shipper-owned containers. Um, so OEC is leasing equipment because the steamship lines are just unable to accommodate the, the volume of cargo bookings that they're getting. Um, there are still some sections in China, South China, um, that uh, where you know workers have yet to come back. Um, but I think what we see towards the end of March, assuming there isn't another lockdown in Shanghai or Ningbo or Qingdao, um, I, I think March is really going to be a tough month. I'm still seeing vessel schedules slide. They're getting pushed out. Uh, that's a direct reflection of all of the vessels, the assets themselves, sitting off the U.S. coasts waiting to get in. There's, there's only so many boats. And if you have you know, over 100 vessels, I think since November, I think it's been since November, there have been over 100 vessels just on the West Coast. Houston and Savannah and Charleston, Norfolk, they've had vessels uh, you know, uh, waiting outside for, for similar amounts of time. So there's a huge fleet of, of ships that are sitting over in the United States. And if they're three weeks late and in getting into Los Angeles, which is right now about what the delay is, it, it, they're also three weeks late in every other port call they make uh, for the rest of the year, uh, which means steamship lines in a lot of instances just don't have a vessel to allocate to a specific port for that week. So I think a good portion of March is spent trying to clean up a lot of that backlog. Uh, and as we get into April, I think importers really have to start making some decisions about what they want to do with, with the product that they have coming over because the ILWU contract renegotiation sort of looming overhead. Um, there was an extension, of, I think, in 2018 um, but the last go-round in 2014 was an incredibly difficult time for the market. Yeah, um, let's, let's, let's define what we're talking about there, Jason, for those that don't know. So what you're referring to are the uh, negotiations uh, with, with uh, the Longshoremen's Union, right? That's correct. Okay. So um, the, the ILWU, that's an abbreviation, International Longshoremen and Warehouse Association, these are the men and women that that work at the ports. Mm -hmm. They work in the cranes, you know, picking containers up off the of vessels, work in moving containers around ports. Uh, that union controls, uh, you know, effectively all of the terminals from Seattle to San Pedro. Um, on the other side of that coin, the management side uh, is a consortia called the PMA or Pacific Maritime Association. They represent the steamship lines. Um, so the last time this this contract was renegotiated, um, you know there were there were was a lot of contention um, on the part of the ILWU because the PMA is really pushing to automate more of the functions of the ports, trying to make them a little bit more efficient. Obviously, this contrasts with the ILWU's perspective because the more automation there is, the fewer workers it would take to to run the facility. Um, that was a big point of, uh, of issue uh, in 2014. 
And we ended up seeing the ports effectively closed for four months. Um, uh, wow is all you can say uh, as you l- listen to this uh, kind of uh, pile up here, some of these issues that you're talking about. What, what, what can importers do, if anything, preemptively to try to um, anticipate some of these issues that they're going to confront? So I think it's, I think that that's a great question because it really does start with the importer. Um, I think they're going to have to change expectations um, through the entire gambit of, of, of the process from placing the purchase orders to production lead times, transportation lead times and cost. Um, you know, I suppose it would be one thing right now if containers were exorbitantly expensive, but importers still got their product within the transit times that they were expecting. That is definitely not happening at this point. I think right now, most importers really need to be considering gateways in the Gulf and East Coasts um, because there will be a difficult, I really think there'll be a difficult situation on the West Coast. Um, that certainly requires planning, depending on where the importer may be. Um, but I don't think it's long before the Gulf Coast and East Coast really see substantial volumes get shifted. Because at, at this point, there have been so many challenges and so much expense and so much delay that the appetite for risk on the importer side is just zero. Mm. They have no uh, no appetite for any additional potentialities or problems. So I do think we see a fair amount of product um, that's that's rerouted into the Gulf and into the East Coast and either taken out of that container at a local warehouse, maybe palletized and trucked to wherever that destination may be. Um, there are some some limited inland rail services over the East Coast, places like Chicago, Kansas City, Memphis, Nashville, Louisville, Atlanta, places you can get to on the rail. Um, but I, I think importers won't, the timelines and the delays that we're seeing on the West Coast, I think will push importers to make some of those decisions um, before the, the West Coast labor union renegotiation is really settled. Now, you know, we're, we're here in the metro Atlanta area, so I've got to ask a question that I'm sure some of our listeners in this area uh, want me to ask, which is uh, they're interested in what's going on with the Port of Savannah. And I'm sure their ears perked up when they uh, <laughs> heard you talk about increased volumes uh, at East Coast ports. Talk yeah. about Savannah specifically and what you see there. Yeah, Savannah is, is a really great gateway um, into the United States. There's a lot of vessel service coming from Asia, a lot of vessel service coming from ports in Europe um, and West Asia too. India and Pakistan uh, have services that come to the East Coast. Um, I think Savannah was a, a pretty substantial beneficiary from this import volume, um, but they've gone through their own tribulations uh, at one point. I think they had something like 60 to 80,000 containers inside the terminals because of the volume that was coming up or coming over. Uh, and I want to say it was in December when they actually had to take over and abandon airport 
They needed an airport facility to be able to relocate all of this equipment because the terminals were so congested that they were unable to sort of move containers around to get them out just so trucking companies could pick them up. Um, I think, you know, by the time we get to the first week of May, I think the vessels that are departing to the West Coast are probably a little bit lighter in terms of volume. And those to the Gulf and East Coast are probably substantially heavier. At this point, the primary gateways inland, which will definitely be of interest in sort of the Midwest district, are through Savannah, places like Norfolk and New York. Um, so I do think the Port of Savannah is in for uh, some substantial volume increases as importers try and you know take some prophylaxis in avoiding what could potentially be a real problem on the West Coast. Folks, again, we're here chatting with Jason Haith. Jason is uh, with OEC Group. He runs the Louisville office for OEC. Uh, Jason, let's talk about uh, the, I guess you might call them the innocent bystanders here, the, the businesses that are affected down the line because of this, uh, these disruptions and consumers. Uh, and, and, of course, we've had uh, significant inflation uh, here recently across the board in a lot of different products uh, that, that are directly affected uh, by what you're describing. So talk about what you see um, here as we go forward over the next year or two. Yeah, I think uh, inflation is imminent. Um, the way that costing has grown for just all sectors of this, from the ocean transportation, um, uh, the trucking, the demurrage and per diem charges, which are costs effectively for not returning your container on time or not collecting your container on time. Um, you know, early on in this in this pandemic, I think importers were really afraid of increasing. They were seeing costing increase, um, but they were really concerned with raising that on the shelf price uh, so as to you know uh, send consumers away. But as this became, as it became evident that this problem was not going anywhere, costing was not going down, I think importers really had no choice but to adjust that pricing. Um, I, think, I think it's something that will likely continue through the end of the year and, and possibly into 2023 as importers continue to adjust for some of these price differences. Um, it all absolutely means the price of the of the item on the shelf is just going to be higher. Um, I think importers, it, it, they don't really have much of an option uh, to try and get, uh, you know, pricing settled. Um, they're contending with just enormous problems in getting product moved and getting it delivered. And I don't really see those issues going away anytime soon. Well, with that cheery news, uh, <laughs> somebody's got to deliver it though, right, Jason? Uh, yeah, I feel, I certainly feel like for the past 12 months, I've been the harbinger of bad news in everyone I speak with. Sure. Um, I'm still, I'm happy people are still taking my calls, but it's <laughs> definitely gotten a little more difficult. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about the services that OEC Group provides and uh, I guess helping your clients navigate these uh, disruptions and shutdowns and issues. Uh, t talk about some of that. 
Sure. So OEC Group is one of the largest providers in the Trans-Pacific. Um, we sign contracts with just about everybody that sails a vessel. We consolidate shipments at many of the ports in Asia, Southeast Asia, West Asia, and Europe to build out containers. So maybe importers have one pallet or two pallets of product that they're trying to bring over. Those consolidated containers come to the United States weekly, all of the different ports and, and cities in the U.S. Uh, we offer air freight services, customs clearance and warehousing services. Um, but we've really become very consultative over the past 12 months. Um, when I'm approached by a new client, um, which at this point happens pretty frequently, one of the first questions I'm asking is what they're trying to accomplish. Mm. What is the expectation? What are you working with? So we can try and tailor our services to accomplish what the clients are looking to accomplish. It's certainly become more difficult over these past 12 months because a lot of these delays um, are things that you just can't account for. Um, I've seen cases where truckers go in to collect containers and they're just not ready yet. And that's something you find out at the very last minute that we then need to turn around and communicate to clients. Um, so I think it really starts with a, a pretty frank discussion uh, about what clients are looking to do and where. Um, a lot of times I'll spend, uh, you know, I'll spend some time just speaking about them with expectations and explaining the challenges that the market is facing. I think it's pretty, it's pretty common for importers to think or have the idea that, you know, my current provider just isn't doing it. So, you know, I'll go look for somebody else. And there may be genuine differences between those providers. Um, but these issues are issues the industry itself is facing. And it's every single sector. Um, so it really starts with defining what clients are trying to accomplish and realistically what we'll be able to provide. Um, space is going to be really, I think it's going to remain difficult to find. And I think it's going to remain difficult to, to, to move product. So um, it all starts with really just having a frank discussion about what they're looking to achieve and then coming back to them with some proposals that, you know, that, that hopefully achieve what they're looking to, what they're looking to do. Uh, great words here from Jason Haith uh, with OEC group, Jason, this has been terrific. And uh, I know we could talk for quite some time about sure. s some of what's uh, going on here, but I want to uh, get folks directed your way. If they've got uh, more questions, uh, would like to connect uh, with with you and OEC, let's tell them how they can do that. Yeah, um, that would be wonderful. Uh, if people are looking to learn more about us, who we are and what we do, and get in touch with a representative, they can visit oecgroup.com uh, and find out everything about us. Uh, reach out, get in touch, um, and see what we may be able to do for them. Terrific. Jason Haith, folks, with OEC Group. Jason, thanks so much for your coming on and bringing your expertise. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder, Business Leaders Radio is on all the major podcast apps. You can find the show by searching Business Leaders Radio. And uh, we would love it if you have found something in this uh, show that is useful and helpful. Please share the show with others that you think would benefit from hearing uh, some of the great uh, words from Jason and uh, insights that he's delivered today. So uh, we would appreciate that if you would 
uh, do that. It's not about me or Business Radio X. We're here to celebrate business and business leaders like Jason. So if you could help us in that pursuit of that mission, we would appreciate it. So for my guest, Jason Haith, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Business Leaders Radio.